Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education and today I'll be in conversation with Dr. Sarah Mundy. Sarah is a mum of three, founder of Parenting Through Stories, author of Bartley Bear, a consultant clinical psychologist who has over 18 years experience. She's specialised in working with children and families developing expertise in working with those affected by trauma. With schools closing, Sarah's been homeschooling, working and supporting many families, children. She understands the juggling act we've all been in over the last few months. Today we are chatting with Sarah on parenting through stories, school readiness, homeschooling and tips and tricks for parents and caregivers ready for the next step for schools to reopen and children trying to find routines and a little bit of normality. Welcome Dr. Sarah Mundy, we really appreciate you joining us today. Can you introduce to our listeners Parenting Through Stories, especially Bartley Bear, also Amicus Psychology and what you've been specialising in? Yes, I'm a consultant clinical psychologist, so I've worked within psychology for about 20 years. um, And over the last 15, I've specialised in working with children and families. Uh, So my main clinical work is with children who've experienced early adversity. So I work with lots of adoptive families, um, but I also work generally with children across age ranges who are just struggling with emotions or behaviours. And and I work mainly with parents and their children together. Um, So I take a very relational approach. I look a lot at the attachment relationship and how this supports children with their mental health and emotional well-being, really. Um, I also do quite a lot of work with schools, organisations, um, just helping them to take a more relational approach rather than a behavioural approach. Um, and I uh, support them to understand the impact of trauma um, and uh, how we can support children with their relationships and overcome early adversity. So I suppose that is my clinical work um, that I do through Amicus, which is a company I've set up over the last year. Um, And the focus is not just on children, a lot of it is on supporting where parents are coming from. So thinking about their own hotspots when looking after children and helping them understand their feelings and how that can connect with their children's feelings. And then as an aside, but very much linked to my experiences as a clinical psychologist, um, I've started a project um, called Parenting Through Stories, which is based on attachment theory. And I suppose it brings my clinical work into more general um, parenting. And what it focuses on is the early years. So two to four year olds looking specifically about very common developmental I wouldn't say problems, but very normal um, experiences, but are actually really tricky to navigate. Um, And the idea is that we have, I've written a handbook um, for parents just to help understand what they're about, how they're developmentally normal, and how we can support their children through them. And alongside that, I've written, um, the first is out, but the aim is um, to have a series of books that takes each one of those um, dilemmas or experiences in turn, that parents can sit down and share with their children. It's their lift the flat books. Um, and uh, within them, under the flaps, there's a little, uh, a little curious squirrel, which gives prompt questions to parents, helping them explore some of those things with their children. Because I think some of the issues, and um, particularly in the early years, is when things are tricky, parents don't really know how to address them. Um, and historically, parenting books have almost said, do to sort out your child's behaviour. And what I wanted to do is shift towards, let's work out what feelings are driving the behaviour. Let's help children understand what that's about, help them understand it's normal, 
but support them with parents on finding ways to talk about them and manage them. So is that when you look at like regulating your emotions and behaviour, that's what you're sort of talking about? Yeah, so so, so I suppose the more we understand our feelings, the easier it is to regulate them. In fact, if we don't understand them, how how are we to know what's going on? And if we know, (laughs) oh, that, you know, that funny feeling in my tummy is because I'm feeling worried and that's okay. And these are the things I can do to help me feel a bit better. We manage, we regulate things much more easily. And the idea is doing it together through a storytelling format is that children see parents are interested in their internal world and their emotional experiences and then they can come up with a conversation together about what's going on and think together about how they manage it rather than just having a huge tantrum everybody getting cross and being me versus you rather than come on let's work on this together um which i suppose is what we need with discipline really um teaching and supporting emotional regulation um teaching and helping children understand what they're feeling rather than you know punishing children for something that they can't control really also getting frustrated i mean i've got a two-year-old he's right in that amazing age where he's not really regulating his emotions the best at times but i love the introduction on your website which has this is bartley bear he isn't very old mostly he is happy sometimes he evolved when bartley's in a muddle he doesn't know what to do he needs some help from his mum or dad does he sound a bit like you i love that because that's exactly what we do Sort of what we do with our, our my toddler, we do it with a giraffe. So we have a giraffe yep. that comes at night, comes through his windows and he goes on an adventure. And yep. then he talks to us about what makes him sad. And he has very minimal um, the vocabulary anyway at the moment. Yep. So yep. we sort of get a little bit of what's happening through the day, yep. which is quite interesting with, um, you know, being off school, being, you know, being, his whole routine's been taken out of context for the last five months. But look, congratulations on publishing your, your the parenting handbook and also the storybook. It's just such a, it's Thank so relevant, you. especially with separation anxiety, going yeah. back or going back with a new norm, whether it's going to be face masks, whether it's going to be social distancing. Who knows how we're all going back at the moment? We just know we're going in some format. And, and it could, yeah, I mean, it couldn't couldn't be more timely to have a, a book out about separation anxiety because you know, children are feeling more anxiety generally, and they've been with parents for sometimes six months without seeing family members, without seeing friends. And actually it's gonna be really tricky that transition back to childcare or transition back to school. And and I think what you do beautifully is you, even though you're aware that he doesn't have the expressive language, so he can't talk about necessarily what's going on, he can show you through play. And also children at the age of two understand much more than sometimes we give them credit for. Um, So creating a story and narrating what's happening helps children feel really contained helps them feel the world is predictable Um, and there's a lot of evidence sort of down the line that children who've got more organized stories or more clear are more able to talk about what's happened to them and their experiences actually manage much better emotionally so it's so important that even early on even if children can't express verbally what they're feeling we find ways to talk to them about it and help them make sense of their world Um, and that's the reason for for i suppose the bartley bear books is that Bartley's a little character that has similar experiences to children, but there's also a little squirrel um, called Nudge under the flaps that that acts as this child's voice or this parent trying to help the child develop a voice for them about their own experiences in similar situations. 
Oh, it sounds like such a lovely book. Listen, I suppose as a mum, and as a mum and you're a mum as well, look, after five months of homeschooling, or even just having your children at home, you know, yeah. you looking for, and I, and I'm looking forward to having my children back at school. However, as a psychologist, do you believe it's important to get our children back in September? Or even just the I, educational environment? It doesn't have to be school. It might be a nursery. It might be early years. Or, you know, uh, special needs school. Anything like that. I mean, I think it's so difficult, isn't it? Because we really need to prioritise physical safety um, and we need to think about the impact of children going back into a, an environment that's much more sanitised, that's much more um, stressful in some ways. If there are masks, I know teachers won't be wearing masks in the UK, but there are certainly very different rules and protocols in terms of um, socialising, not being able to be close to children, all those things that are actually natural forms of learning, touching other children. You know, skin is, a, skin is an organ of touch and actually we're really restricting some of those normal social development things that, that children need. Um, but also children, particularly older children, do need that social interaction. There is yeah. something to be said about going to school, having those learning opportunities that they won't get at home. I mean, certainly my homeschooling has been utterly appalling. I managed a few weeks of trying to be productive and then it sort of all fell out the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think... <laughs> so I, I think, yes, you know, socially, emotionally and academically, it's really helpful if children can go back to school, but they will only be able to engage in that if we can manage that um, environment that children feel safe, that they feel supported, and that actually we can help them engage in learning because children can't engage in learning when they are dysregulated, when they're feeling unsafe, when they're not feeling supported. So yes, uh, I think it's very, it will be very helpful for a lot of children, particularly very vulnerable children who've struggled massively during mm -hmm. lockdown. Um, but we also need to think about how difficult it will be and how schools need to focus on mental health and emotional well-being before they jump too much into the academic side of things. I, mean, I, I don't know if you've seen recently, but some research has come out on how um, 13 to 14 year olds have actually reported lower levels of anxiety um, uh, over lockdown than they did at the same time last year, which to me says a lot about the pressures of school. <laughs> and actually, are we already meeting children's emotional and mental health needs in school? Um, so hopefully it's been a time that schools are able to have a think about what they could do differently, although I know that teachers and um, head teachers are under so much pressure to, to get things right that they will also be feeling unsafe and um, that in itself is going to be tricky for children to return to. Oh, it's such a look, it's such an evolving situation. It's not as if it's just the UK. I know that in the USA, we've been doing a lot of work there. Many parents are actually chosen not to send their children back and they're developing what they call homeschooling bubbles. And so yeah, yeah. my children, I haven't homeschooled, but I'd send them to school, but they're having say seven kids come to each other's house and that's yeah. their homeschooling bubble so that they have a little bit of interaction. I mean, I wonder if this would be a trend in the UK, whether, well, I suppose we have to just see, don't we? <laughs> well, I, I think anecdotally, I've certainly spoken to a lot of parents who are uh, wondering whether they homeschool as of September. Um, I mean, I, I live down in Cornwall where there is quite a lot of homeschooling anyway. Um, but I think with all the pressures around COVID and the anxiety that parents and children feel, I mean, uh, a lot of children are reporting anxieties about going back to school, um, both in terms of sort of social connection and friendships, but um, a lot about bringing the virus home. 
So if children have those anxieties and parents have those anxieties and schools are anxious, um, then actually some parents understandably will say, we don't, we, don't want to, we don't want to do this yet or now, we want to try homeschooling. Um, and I think homeschooling can work really well for, for lots of children and lots of parents. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I do agree with that in some sense, but you do live in one of the lo most lovely parts of I know. the world. <laughs> it's beautiful, yeah. I, yeah I, probably, it's no, I don't know if I'd go back. I would definitely think about it. I might have a, you know, instead of a forest school, I'd have a beach school. Being Australian, we love our beaches. I mean, I'd love yeah. one of the most amazing beaches in Cornwall. Um, this is probably another hot topic at the moment is, and this is something that I, I you know, I believe that will probably come to your, your clinic when you, it all comes at, but school readiness, it's a hot topic. And I yep. just want to look at a few tips for parents and teachers to help preparing them to go back to school. But as we mentioned before, many have been off for what, five, six months now. What are yep. the challenges that you believe many schools will have with children coming back? Well, I, I think firstly, and I think in the UK, it's very difficult with the government sort of saying no face masks, some face masks. So the pressure that puts on schools to know what message they're sending to parents is huge. And actually what we know is that parents need to feel safe. They need to feel that schools are giving them a clear message so they can feel prepared and children can feel prepared. So I think there's a huge challenge for schools to get it right so that they can then impart that to, to parents and children so they feel there's some predictability and then they can start preparing for their children about what's happening. I think in terms of challenges, there is that general anxiety that, that everybody's feeling. Um, so, you know, there's that loss of relationships, social isolation, uh, frightening news coverage, confusion around rules, um, worries about the future, a loss of routine. So all of those things have added to general anxiety. So I suppose one key challenge for schools is how they help children manage that anxiety on coming back to school. Um, there's also, I, I, clinically, what's um, been quite obvious to me is that increased separation, anxiety, um, increased anxiety around leaving the house, anxiety around being behind on schoolwork, um, and uncertainty about the future. So for me, it's the, the biggest challenge is how we support teachers, children and parents with anxiety so that they can come back to school in a way that feels safe and helpful. Um, I think particularly with children that have thrived during lockdown, um, and some have, um, yeah. there's going to be an increased uh, sort of school refusal and how do we support parents, or it's, it's, also, it's now known as emotionally, emotionally based school avoidance, but how do we support parents to help children get back into school, get back into that routines when they're really, really worried about doing it. Um, so there are a lot of hurdles and I think primarily they're around the increased anxiety that, that everybody's feeling. I suppose it's very true. I mean, um, I, I just think of one thing I know with my own child, like my, mm -hmm. I've got a child, so I know with him, two to three, or um, he doesn't regulate his emotions very well at the moment. I think that's going to be really hard if you've got a class of, I know you've got two teachers to six or whatever the regulations is now, but if you've got mm -hmm. six children that are anxious, usually you've got one out of six, but you're going to have six out of six that are feeling a little bit, um, I suppose they're not regulating their emotions. Maybe they're not going to play very nicely at the start. This is in the early years. And this is where, yeah. you know, partly the bear and these sort of stories are going to be so important as parents yeah. to support that school. Absolutely. And, and teachers, you know, if teachers can have similar stories in school, I, I was speaking to a, a teacher recently who said she doesn't know what to do about addressing lockdown, because actually so much has happened in lockdown for children and some has been really difficult for children. And she's saying, I don't want to open a can of worms, but I want children to know that we can talk about 
the experiences we can talk about what's gone on for the last six months because they've missed that normality and they've missed some children who haven't got the stable home life have missed that security of school so you're right there's a classroom with many more children with anxiety um, and already schools might struggle to meet some of the children's emotional well-being you know emotional health needs so so with the low ratios and, and the teacher stress that 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 might be really really tricky um, so I would be hoping that schools are able to be really proactive and thinking, OK, before we get back into learning, because I think the risk is they think, gosh, they've missed six months of this um, <laughs> type of learning. Let's just go straight into it. And actually, we just need to make sure that children are ready to learn. And to do that, we need to make sure that they feel uh, more able to sort of understand and express their feelings. Um, so, so it is tricky. It is going to be tricky. It will be really interesting in a few years' time, you know, when the world goes back to some sort of normality or the education system evolves, who knows what's going to happen, is yeah. that we see what the effects of the six months off school will be. Six months, say, for example, I know with my children, my oldest child has really loved art and he always loves sport. He never does things mm. like art or anything. Whereas he started like, playing the guitar and things like that. He started doing things that he wouldn't regularly do. Absolutely. Schedules yeah. and all I'd be really interested to see, because I know that in Christchurch, when that big, um, what was, I mean, it's a different situation, it's not the whole world, but they did actually take the kids out for a term and a half when the big um, earthquake happened in, um, yeah. totally different because it's not the whole world and there's not a whole lot of anxious parents and stuff like that, that's a different situation, but I'm just saying, there has been known situation where it has been six months off or, you know, off schooling and what's been the result. So it will be interesting in a year's time to see, mm. you know, age group and development stage is what has happened with the children absolutely and, um, I, and i'm guessing that some will have thrived and learned new skills like your oldest son and probably if they're already i mean I, I don't think there's any evidence that if you're average or um you manage anyway that you will have missed out massively academically i think the difficulty is for the vulnerable kids who will really have sort of slipped back because they won't have had that support at, at, at um at home and that's what's what's most worrying, I think. I think the gap will probably widen. And I'm hoping that um, schools can think about how they provide additional support to vulnerable children and also adapt to thinking, is our curriculum, now I'm not sure this is going to happen in the UK, but is our curriculum meeting children's needs? Because uh, I think it has become very focused on academic learning and the creative side of things has, has gone by the wayside and actually children need to be creative. They learn through play um, and hopefully some lessons will be learnt over these six months. That's very true. Well, I mean, the, is it the late Sir Ken Robinson who actually passed away? Is it last week or this week? He was actually an advocate for creativity in schools. Mm. He was just talk about how our school system and curriculum actually creates battery hands. Like we do the traditional, you know, the traditional jobs, but we actually we actually crush the creativity very early on. He wrote a really good yeah. book about finding your passion. He talks about how you know everyone just likes to be um, diagnosed very quickly rather than yeah. looking at where I suppose their creativity sits. And that was quite interesting actually, but yeah, he did actually pass away this week. So he's written many okay. books that are, you know, really interesting, uh, probably before their time. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when I went into school, when my children were in a bubble, um, the teachers, even though there was the additional pressure of the hand washing and not being close, 
the teachers and the children really enjoyed it because they had much more freedom and they went out on walks every day and they did much more outdoor learning um, and I'm sure there's a lot of evidence about the benefits of outdoor learning and I think we have become quite stuck in this indoor um, focusing on maths and English and not thinking more broadly about what's helpful for children. So, um, so ho hopefully we'll be able to, to learn from that. But I think with the additional pressures that the education system have, it will be quite tricky to do so. Well, when I first moved to the UK, someone always said to me that there's no, there's no such thing as bad weather, it's bad clothing. So rain, hail, shine, you're outside. You just have to get the yeah. clothing. So I thought yeah. that was all advice when I first moved to doctrine, just three things and suggest parents to do to prepare their children for the transition back to school okay so um i've written a um, free resource on my website that sort of explores this in a, in a bit more detail so if anyone's interested go to parentingthroughstories.com um and it talks about anxiety separation anxiety and then gives a number of tips um but for me the five top tips are the first is think about yourself i think we go straight into thinking about our children but actually <laughs> The key to helping children go back to school is for adults around them to show it's safe and that it's important for them. And we know that emotions are contagious. There's some really interesting research on mirror neurons um, and basically emotions are physiologically contagious. So if we're feeling anxious, we're going to be pushing it onto our children, whether we know it or not. Um, so, so it's first about managing ourselves, managing our um, own emotions, um, and then thinking about how we support children. And I think sometimes we forget how closely interlinked we are with our children's emotional world. Um, and certainly when I'm in a more stressed state, my children are in a more stressed state. Um, and we will understandably be more stressed because of everything that's going on. So, so just keeping an eye on ourselves and, and practicing good self-care. And then the second thing to do is, is think about your relationship with your child. So I talk a lot about attachment theory. That's I'm sort of driven by attachment theory. Um, and we know that the more secure a child feels, um, the more able they are to deal with changes. Um, so if we can, um, because there's lots of preparation. I'm, I'm stuck thinking about haircuts, uniforms, are they having packed lunches? You know, but try and put in moments of playful connection where you're not thinking about safety or anxiety. Just try and put as many of those in as you can, just to help your child feel connected with you. And even more so before and after school when they go back, um, those reconnections, because they're so used to being with you. And then they will have that day at school and coming back. And even if you come back and you stop for me by the beach or you do something outdoorsy and connected before you go back to sort of the the sort of getting everything ready tidying the house making dinner I think that's really important so um your relationship but also relationship with with teachers um, and we know that teachers um, own experiences will have affected them over lockdown um, and certainly there are lots of anecdotes on on twitter about teachers being happy or confused or concerned or working in an unwieldy system but i suppose they also need to be aware about their relationship with children because that that needs to be transferred into school that children feeling safe in relationships um, I suppose the next thing is um, helping children understand and manage their feelings. So it's it's about not dismissing feelings of anxiety and we, we want our children to be okay. We want to jump in and reassure and we want to say, don't be silly, you're fine. And so many handovers at school, you see parents with the best intentions saying, don't be silly, you're fine, don't be worried, it's gonna be great. And actually what I think we need to do is say, oh, I, you know, gosh, I'm not surprised you're feeling a bit wobbled. You've, you've not been to school for six months. You know, and, and if you think back, 
when you had those six week holidays, certainly I was um, towards the end quite worried. Will people still like me? What's it going to be like? You know, have I done enough of this? And this is six months. Um, so I think it's really important just to support your child. You know, oh, you, you, you seem to have a bit of a headache or a bit of a tummy ache. I wonder if that's because you're feeling worried about going back to school. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're feeling worried. It's actually normal. I bet everybody's feeling a bit like that. So, so instead of jumping and dismissing or reassuring, normalize, say it's normal, validate and help them understand what they might be feeling. So help them understand how their body might be feeling. And then when they understand that, you can help them, you know, when they're feeling anxious. And again, it depends on ages, but you can do things differently with different ages. So you can do mindfulness, breathing exercises, you know, that, that sort of thing, just to help them learn what their body feels like and learn how they can manage it. And you probably, when they're little, need to manage it with them, you know, that sort of emotional co-regulation. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose what's really helpful is, is when they're understanding and when you're providing some sort of ways of calming their body, you know, sensory ways of calming their body, there's that preparing, that sort of cognitive preparation. So preparing for the changes, talking about what might be different, uh, talking about experience of lockdown and how they're used to doing this, but how school will be now, you know, all, almost, you know, mentally rehearsing is quite useful. So I was speaking to a, a mum the other day and she was saying um, that her son's starting secondary school um, and he's going on a bus. He's never been on a bus before. Everybody will be sitting on the bus with masks. Um, mm -hmm. And we just talked about mentally rehearsing it with him. So what do you think it's going to be like when you get on the bus? Have you, have you thought about where you're going to sit? How, how are you going to put your mask on and, and off? Is that going to be a bit strange? You know, so 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 preparing for that routine of the day. And obviously that's easier if school have sent videos or social stories about the rules and, and regulations and what, what it's going to look like. But I, I think that's really important because if children have that story, um, it's more predictable, isn't it? So with little ones playing, role playing, obviously reading books about um, going to school, uh, you know, my book, Please Stay Here, I Want You Near, actively talks about what might happen and what they might feel like. Um, so I suppose preparation is my, my fourth tip. And then the final tip, <laughs> and I think this is going to be really tricky. Certainly, I, I, had a, uh, I had a sleepover with my eight-year-old last night, um, just me and him. And uh, we didn't go to sleep until half past ten. Um, and uh, then I thought, oh my goodness, it's school in a couple of weeks. We've got to get back into routines. Um, so we really need to start thinking about how we can get back into routines. So especially calm bedtimes, um, less screen time, if possible, getting into some sort of structure um, of the day. It might be even getting up and walking down to school if you walk to school or um, just just being a bit more of a normal school day rather than completely this sort of free routine that I think a lot of us have got into, which has been lovely in some ways, but actually they're going to go back into routine. So we need to get them into that earlier if possible. Um, one other thing that I, I haven't said is, is we talk a lot in um, uh, attachment theory about transitional objects. Um, I don't know if you know about transitional objects where we sort of give a child something that reminds them of us when they go into school. And for children experiencing separation anxiety, these are really helpful. Um, but at the moment, they're not allowed to bring in their own blankets or their own soft, comforting toys. Um, so thinking about how you can do that creatively. So whether it's writing something on the arm, draw. I mean, I drew a little tractor on my son's um, hand before he went back to preschool, uh, at, you know, just uh, just before the school holidays. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and he, that was great, except he washed it off because of hand washing. So I hadn't thought about that. So if you do that, do that on the arm. <laughs> um, but there are lots of ways you can do that. Little bracelets if school will let them just to know that, um, you know, just to have a reminder of you. And also you could wear a bracelet too, or a sort of a special hair clip that you could both wear, but just some sort of transitional object so that they know you're thinking about them and they've got something to remind them of you when they're in school or, or childcare. Um, so that's lots, lots of tips, but I suppose the, the key things are think about yourself, think about your relationship with your child, help them understand and manage their feelings, prepare them for changes and get back into routines as, uh, as soon as you can. Oh, it's interesting, you did actually mention mindfulness, and I think that's something that the school, especially at this time, should drop a master or an English lesson and actually think about doing in some form or fashion, especially in the first few months of when they're back, as you are mentioning Absolutely. Before mindfulness well-being is going to be and actually being able to talk about the experiences you mentioned but reflect as well on what the mm. positive have been because there yep, will be absolutely lost loved ones and you know, all sorts of things lots of um not understanding exactly what it is mm. and i know that we started to buy the week magazine and that actually gave snippets in a positive way of what was happening around the world yeah yeah they're always very good but um I suppose the other one is routines. I think all parents are feeling a little bit like that, but I'm hoping it's just they're going to see this as a summer routine and when we go back to school, it goes back into, they're so tired, it comes back into the school routine. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you're right about making sense of experiences when you're in school, but I suppose for children to be able to reflect and to be able to think about what happened, their body needs to be calm. So I would always start with the mindfulness, the yoga, anything to sort of calm the body physiologically before going into the sort of reflective stuff. Um, and I've, I've got a teacher friend who every morning she um, had, takes a sort of emotional thermometer of her class. Um, they, I mean, they might have physical thermometers as well, but also that emotional thermometer and then starts the day with some sort of mindfulness, some sort of yoga, something just to bring it down before she goes into the formal lessons. Um, and I think that is so important if teachers are able to do that because it will get children's brains back online um, rather than them feeling sort of really anxious throughout the day. Um, so yes, I think if we could drop some of the academic stuff, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble with the educational <laughs> system, but um, yes, if we could make sure we focus on the mental health and emotional well-being of children, uh, they will learn much more quickly. There's so much evidence to say that. Absolutely. Well, it's a creating a calm before the storm, I suppose. It's calming them down and then sitting them down, then going, they're calm to go into the work. I mean, yeah. I look, if, the thing is, if we do go, who knows what's going to happen? We might get a, a second wave. We might get something else. You know, have been known to happen. Say, for example, Australia and New Zealand thought they had nothing and then it comes back a little bit. But yeah. Yeah. If we yeah. do go into our bubbles, we get affected, then we end up in home learning in the future. Tips for parents struggling more with multiple ages. You know, I know that you've got multiple ages, and I think that's if you've got one child, then they have the thing where they don't have any social socialization, they can't talk. Mm. Then if you two, three, or four, are they fighting for screen times? Are they mm. they fight? Not everyone has four screens, three screens to be able to share. I mean, that's yeah. quite. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just fighting. <laughs> My children are just fighting <laughs> for anything. Um, I, I mean, I think the first thing I'd say is is as parents, try not to stress yourself out about what you've done over lockdown because you will have done your best and you weren't trained to be a teacher and a parent. I mean, none of us are trained to be parents, are we? Or <laughs> and a professional at the same time. So, you know, we've been expected to jump into three roles at a time of stress. 
Um, so try not to compare what you've done with other other families. I mean, some people I know have done rigid uh, learning in the daytime and I've done pretty much nothing with my children, but they will have learned a lot of other things. So the average child will not have been disadvantaged in terms of learning. They will pick things up. They're very adaptive. Um, and, you know, primary school, school children learn through play and exploration. So sitting children who are three, eight and 10 down at home is impossible. So, you know, we've been going out and exploring and looking at things and I've tried to throw a bit of maths and English in there. Um, so they will have been learning, but I, I suppose I've tried really hard not to get cross with myself for them not doing brilliantly. I mean, it, it's great if they can keep up with reading. It's great if they can keep up with timetables, I think, because they're so important in schooling. That's what an educational psychologist friend of me, um, friend told me anyway, that focus on reading and timetables if you can, but don't, don't struggle with everything else. Um, I heard one of your um, podcasts the other day, I think it was Curious Neurons, and she was talking um, about how she's sort of managing her day. She sounded amazing um, with different age children. I, I, was, I was sort of sitting there quite jealously thinking, my goodness, how can anybody do that? Um, but yes, and, and, and you know, she was just being really creative in the way she was doing that home learning with, with children of different ages. Um, so I suppose it's trying to be creative, but you can only be creative just like children when you're not feeling too stressed. So it's about doing that outdoor stuff, play, exploration and not putting too much pressure on yourself. And then, and then you'll be able to be more creative and your children will learn much, much better and feel much happier because you're right. There is something about things being unpredictable and we almost need to be sharing that with children. Oh, you know, it's, it's exciting you're going back to school and hopefully things will become a bit more normal. But, you know, some, sometimes things might change a bit and we might not have to be off school again for a bit or rules might change. So we know it's a bit scary and can, might make you feel a bit confused when we don't know exactly what's happening, but we'll always make sure we let you know and we'll also um, make sure you're safe. And that's what children need to know is that you're going to keep them safe and that you are safe and that they see you as feeling safe and secure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you, do you know, it might even make our children extremely flexible to the world around us. So, you know, yeah. the evolution of how work goes and, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of changes. You might get a new, a whole lot, a lot more people moving down to Cornwall. So we should... We, do you know what? The house prices have rocketed and um, <laughs> this, uh, we, we've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. So in lockdown, we would cycle down to the beach, have an ice cream and a coffee on the beach, cycle around the beach, a massive beach just to ourselves. And then as mm. soon as July the 4th hit and lockdown was lifted, it's suddenly it's become absolutely manic and a lot of people are saying hang on you know my quality of life particularly with the restrictions I can't access all the city stuff um has has been really poor and you know being in Cornwall it's been really rich so so a lot of people are already buying houses in Cornwall um so yes our uh, <laughs> it was lovely it was lovely lockdown having that for you know in, in lots of ways of course there were stresses um but but there was a lovely sense of of being outside without too much pressure or without too many people so it's been been a bit of a shock these last uh, couple of months but um yeah well with everyone going back to school you should get a little <laughs> get it back <laughs> and also the colder weather but to be honest beaches are absolutely amazing in the cold weather in the, area, the beaches are beautiful and in winter is one of the nicest times to go to the beach and maybe not to swim but um it's definitely <laughs> Go and have a look it's really clear blue skies if you look in new south wales and stuff like that so i'm sure that cornwall will be the same as well yeah and there's some research into um i don't know a huge amount about it but have you heard about soft fascination 
um, whereby if you're outside and there's something moving against something still, so sort of waves or clouds, it's very good for calming you physiologically. So going out and looking at the sea amongst the, you know, with, with the still rocks and the still sand or lying down and watching the clouds moving against the still, still sky is actually really good for you. Um, so yeah, being outdoors, whatever the weather, um, is, is, is helpful if we can. Well, being outdoors, we have a lot of woodland near myself with my children. So it's actually, you know, we've, we've been running around in that, but I do love a beach, I must admit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. Now, just just to conclude, and just to, can you let your list, the listeners know today how to get in touch with you? One, and two, um, what service Amicus can provide for families and schools, and also where to purchase your books, like the Bartley Bear. Yeah. The okay. So, so the Parenting Through Stories is, is the Bartley Bear project. So um, you can buy the Parenting Handbook and the first book in the series, um, which is about separation anxiety. So ideal for children returning to childcare or starting school. Um, you can buy them on Amazon or on our Facebook shop. Um, we're quite active on social media. So we've got um, at parenting under slash through under slash stories Instagram account. Um, we've got a website site parenting through stories um, which has resources and, and ideas on it blogs etc um, so people can just get in touch through that and hopefully it's quite quite easy to um, to, to get in touch with us there um, in terms of amicus I'm uh, flat out clinically <laughs> I don't, don't have any space to, to see many people clinically but I, I can offer sort of support to organizations and schools um, and I do do quite a lot of work around um, how we help children within schools manage their emotional um, well-being and how we help teachers manage their emotional well-being as well. Um, so again, that's just looking up uh, www.amicus.co.uk um, and getting in touch with me um, through that. So yes, uh, love to hear from people and also love to hear what, what people thought about this um, this podcast. It's, uh, it's lovely to talk to you and, and, and have some of your ideas as well. So um, yeah, thank that's you. I noticed that you had a really good blog as well and so does that that's on the is that on the amicus or is that on parenting through stories that's on parenting through stories yeah so so I suppose my amicus is much more my sort of clinical um, adoption work supporting schools to take a sort of a trauma and attachment informed approach and then my parenting through stories is much more how I'm applying some of those ideas uh, to to a more general parenting population um, so that's more about I talk a lot about the pace model which is an attachment focused model um, where we can support our children to develop their security and their attachment to feel closer to us and for us to feel more connected with them and how we can put that into place in the early years when we often have moments of disconnect from this very compliant little baby that we can just sort of carry around <laughs> to a stumping as I'm sure you know toddler um, so how we can sort of remain open and engaged as best we can bearing in mind that we can't do it all the time and that's absolutely fine um, so that's all my parenting through story stuff and I really I've got some great feedback actually on the handbook because what I try to do is not write it as though I'm this parenting expert and this is how you put theory into practice because I know that putting theory into practice isn't always easy when you're knackered and you're not sleeping so I, I try to make it really realistic so um, yeah so the parenting through stories work is more about more for all parents um, rather than um, children and parents who've experienced that early adversity. No, and I do suggest everyone to go and have a look. I love the little co-regulating with your little one and also the coping separations. And I, I did enjoy the groundbreaking parenting doesn't have to move the earth, take it at your own pace. But I did enjoy that. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true, isn't it? You know, we have, we have so much pressure on us as parents. Um, and 
it's particularly recently trying to get it right with everything else and it's, it's actually really hard being a parent is really hard and what we have to remind ourselves is that we're not aspiring to be perfect all the literature says we are aspiring to be good enough and actually if we're attuned to our children 30 percent of the time they're going to develop a secure attachment so try and bear that in mind <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Sarah Mundy, for joining us and sharing your expertise for parents, caregivers, teachers, and educational professionals. If you have a minute, please check out Parenting Through Stories blog. There are so many relevant articles there from co-regulating with your little one to coping with separations. Bartley the Bear book is now available on Amazon and parentingthroughstories.com website. Sarah has also published an amazing parenting handbook, which aims to help you understand the psychological theory behind the attachment approach to parenting and to give you practical tips to manage everyday challenges. Thank you for the tips for parents and caregivers to help with getting our children back to school from the self-care, making sure your child feels secure in their relationships, helping them manage their feelings, self-regulation, routines, which I think is on everyone's mind at the moment. Thank you again, Sarah. There are so many relevant topics right now and we would love to hear from you. So please get in touch and subscribe to our podcast, Education Tips from the Experts with EDX Education, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, TuneIn and so many more channels. My name is Heather Welch from EDX Education. Let's all stay safe.